Welcome to the Resistance Broadcast, everybody. I'm John. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we have an amazing show for you. James and Lacey with me as always. Uh, guys, I, I, I don't even know. We don't even need to set this thing up. It, an incredible interview. Uh, and all we have to say is, where's Ezra? Right here. We found him. He's in the Resistance base. That's where Ezra is. Taylor Gray joining us. Uh, I absolutely love this interview. Um, I know you guys did too. Uh, quick thoughts before we hop in to this thing. <laughs> that was me blowing my mind being blown. No, I, I had a couple people before we hopped on the call that I thought um, I, I would want to share with. Hey, I'm... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna video chat with Ezra tonight, you know. And I was like, I don't want to do this, but I did. I did uh, text my my nephew, and I said, oh, hey, I'm gonna nice, do this. Man. And he 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 said that was pretty cool. So so yeah, um, yeah. I've been super pumped. The interview was was great. I'm excited for you guys to hear it. But yeah, I just I adore Taylor. He can <laughs> I can listen to him for hours, which you you guys will soon witness. <laughs> yeah. Including. Lacey saying that Sarah Michelle Geller could beat him up, but we'll get to that in a little bit. No, I said that he would beat up Freddie. She would beat up Freddie. Oh, she would beat up Freddie, right. Okay. Because you guys were like, oh, did he beat you up on, like with Sarah there? And I was like, well, she'd beat up both of them, basically. <laughs> right. yeah. uh, such a good time. We can't wait for you to check it out. Here's our Spoiler. interview with Ezra Bridger himself, Taylor Gray. Taylor, thanks so much for joining us here on the Resistance Broadcast. We're so happy to have you in our Resistance base. What's going on? Hey, guys. Thank you for having me. I, I guess I should address right away how cool all of your guys' backgrounds are, and I look like this <laughs> lunatic. Uh, I, I feel like I should put something up. Like, now I'm really feeling it. <laughs> I love that you have that bag. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got some lightsabers. How about that? I'll just have Ooh, that. There you go. <laughs> so I need something. Otherwise, it just looks so odd. Well, for the re- remainder of the interview, you have to hold up the lightsaber against the wall using the force. Dude, that's seriously what about. it's starting to feel like. Just pins? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, at least I've now addressed it, and so we can't be like, oh, that's so strange. <laughs> I'm in on the joke, guys. Uh, <laughs> no, we're so happy to have you, man. Um mm-hmm. So uh, before we get into anything, just real quickly, how's your year going in general? Uh, you busy? You doing some work? You, you dealing with all the craziness? How's it going? Uh, twenty twenty, man, it's just strange, isn't it? Uh, it's been a weird year in that I've been working a bit. I've just got back to Los Angeles from I just finished my third film this year, so it's a little odd in that sense because, um, like, I talked to my parents and everything, and I can feel the stress of what this year's put on everyone. Um, but at the same time, I've been in these like weird quasi bubbles where we are just getting tested every day. And we've been on set. Each shoot was about a month to two and a half months. So that took up the better part of the year where once you took your masks off on set and you were across from someone, it was kind of as much as I could say normal. But even then you can feel the weight of like, you're staring at everyone else, a hundred people on set who have masks on. They're not allowed to, there's all these new protocols on set now too. Like you can't go near certain people. There's zones there. Like it took me a month or two of just getting reprimanded and learning where I could stand and when <laughs> to talk and when not to talk. Wow. Oh, right. So that's yeah. a little different than uh, recording Ezra, right? That's yeah. That's very different <laughs> than recording Ezra and my nose. I have had 
I've had every medical device possible now to take these tests, which now I don't know what a day is that doesn't start with that. Wow. Wow. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's, let's get into by just talking about, uh, your experience with star Wars to this point. Um, so you obviously played Ezra Bridger, uh, star Wars rebels, uh, for five years, uh, and four seasons. And it's been a couple years now. So now that you're uh, two years removed from the series, uh, has your thoughts about the series changed at all in terms of your, your reflection of it? And what are you most proud of out of uh, that series now that we're two years removed from it? And maybe it's not as fresh in your mind. Um, the series was unbelievable. And it was so cool to be a part of. And I, I always start everything off with how fortunate and grateful I am to just Star Wars and Lucasfilm in general. It, Lucasfilm have been just the greatest employers ever as well. They just, they take care of everyone top to bottom. They hire the best people across the board. And so everyone is very confident in their job. And it was just such a great work environment on top of getting to act out incredible scripts. I mean, it's no secret now. And I'm so glad that it's happening that the secret of Dave Filoni is much less of a secret now because he's, he's a genius. He, he like creatively, um, as a writer, as a storyteller, as, um, as an audience member, he just knows where he knows where fans are coming to it from. He knows where creative and story needs to go. He knows, he knows everything star Wars as well, but he transcends that and knows mythology and, my favorite part about now I'm going tangentially on all this, but my favorite part of rebels <laughs> was um, the long talks that we would have in between recording. And so we would mm-hmm. get in there and at the beginning of each season, we would talk with individually. We would each talk with Dave for an extended period of time. And he would just give us like the arc <laughs> for the season and we would go <laughs> through it and something that he was so good about. And it's, it's also informed my acting. You, I went, through acting school when I was younger and you have different techniques that you learn. And there's something that I picked up from this experience too, that was so amazing. And you always need to have the reason for doing stuff. You don't need to be told like, just do it this way. You need to be told why it should be done this way. And then you will manifest that and manufacture that yourself. And he was unbelievable about explaining why things needed to happen. So anytime anyone, even if it was a guest star who was coming in for a scene um, and they were like, well, I'm not sure how this should play and rather than just give them a line reading and say oh say it this way which many people Mm -hmm. would do it's a lot quicker easier and you're like you don't need to know he would explain the roots of it and why it was happening this way and then let them that's why they were hired come up with it and it's to hear those explanations are unbelievable and i was lucky because i came to star wars as a little bit of a novice like i didn't know as much as a couple other people on the show, like Freddie and uh, Vanessa. Freddie's crazy. Oh, Freddie and Vanessa (laughs) knew so much, like so much. And day one, they made it known. Like they came in and were like, (laughs) I think our first day, did we even record together? We had these like individual shorts. They were doing like shorts that they were putting out first, like vignettes of each character. And Mm. I remember Dave going like, so they know a lot. They, they think they know a lot about Star Wars. <laughs> they were just so stoked <laughs> um, with their whole uh, knowledge of what it was. And I didn't know as much. So 
it was cool because every conversation I had with Dave, I was getting it right from the source. So ne- like at this point now, I, I like to, it's not even a pride, but I, I, I feel good knowing a decent bit about Star Wars now. And that all comes straight from Dave Filoni, which is kind of cool because I'll get in conversations with people and I'm like, I'll hear certain ideas about things. And I'm like, well, that's not how it's explained to me. And I think he's got that. You know what I mean? Do you play the Dave Filoni card? No, no, no. I've never done that. I I don't open my mouth though because I feel like, one, it's way cooler to hear everyone else's ideas about certain things. And I've especially learned that through conventions. I didn't didn't go to them the first few years of the show while we were getting invites because I just didn't understand. I was like, I'm going to be outmatched, outclassed. I don't know what I'm going to be able to offer people. And then... I realized, no, it's the coolest thing in the world. You're just in a box with five other castmates recording, but then you get to go out and actually hear the sentiments of people watching it. And you get to see that people are watching it, which is cool. And yeah, yeah sorry. That was so long winded. Just getting back. I, don't, no, I think it started going. <laughs> somewhere there. And yeah, it's cool now that Disney plus is out because like you said, we're a few years or yeah, two years removed from the show but there's been this sort of resurgence in viewership and you see it through, I don't go on Twitter too much, but every now and then I'll sign in. I'm like, Oh wow. People are, people are one just coming to the show and some people are rewatching it and they're drawing ties to different films and Star Wars is so good. And their whole story summit, how they bring in all the writers and just pitch all the ideas. That's something I would love to sit in because that sounds like (laughs) the coolest thing. Do you have a, a Twitter burner account that you go in and, and fight with people about Star Wars speculation on? I'm not. This reference might not hit, but I'm not Kevin Durant like that. Kevin Durant, <laughs> Kevin Durant is a basketball player who he has a he makes secret <laughs> accounts and goes and like tells people who are hating on him like, no, I'm a better basketball player than LeBron and stuff like that. <laughs> and you, you you were in a movie and with I Kevin did a Durant. movie with him, and I'm not bringing yeah. it up because of that. I just happen to know oh, okay. like he's the one. He's the one dude. Like they've been called out on like Sports Center and everything like. Wow, this guy, he doesn't need to worry about this, but he creates fake accounts to argue with people, which I think, I mean, if you have the time, that's so fun. (laughs) So if I argue with a guy that says, like, Ezra rules, I'll just assume it's not you. Not me, not me. But I, every now and then I sign in Twitter and I see the, like, the thread, like, you'll click it and it'll expand a long thread. Mm -hmm. Um, When I see the, like, support, like, Yes, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll always like it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, the big question that is going, like a hashtag going on on Twitter is always, where's Ezra? So where, where, where's Ezra in your mind? Uh, Ezra is out there. Ezra is alive, which is nice. Dave confirmed that pretty quickly after the show as that was the question that remained with the finale. Um, and yeah, he's out there, Thrawn's out there. And now we're seeing with just the most current stuff with the Mandalorian, their stuff is like all, everything in Star Wars is tied together. Everything is canon. It is, it is yeah. cool. And yeah, it was funny this weekend that, because um, we're recording this the first week of December. So the last episode just come out um, this last week. Uh, Ezra was, oh my God, see, I'm such an idiot. Uh, trending on Twitter. <laughs> I was like, what is it called when it's... <laughs> What's the word? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How many texts did you get when Ahsoka appeared in Mandalorian from people being like, so... Many. so... <laughs> yeah, so many of people going like, you keeping a secret? Or like, 
there are friends <laughs> who are just like, hey, man, can't wait. And it's just funny stuff where you're like, <laughs> you're like, what? You're like, All right. Because yeah. the, the funny thing to me is that like we saw Ahsoka, we saw Bo-Katan. But in my head, as, as long as I've been watching the Star Wars stuff, those are Clone Wars characters, even though they were in Rebels. Those are Clone Wars characters yeah. that are coming brought to life. But to me, and I know Thrawn is a book character, but he's the first mention in in Mandalorian that I was like, that's more of a Rebels strictly reference because he was heavily featured in Rebels. He was never in any other uh, animated. That's as close to he's ever got to live action was in Rebels before. Now his name is being said in the show. And so it's it's like bringing Rebels to life in that show. Yeah, that's a really good point. And it, it was funny because to me, because I agree, Bo-Katan that like she is clone wars more so yeah right and then with ahsoka because my big introduction like i watched clone wars post rebels or like post the start of rebels and so even when it's our rebels before ahsoka had come in i mean this is gonna yeah i'll expose myself people know this already though but like the first mention of ahsoka i was like like I had no clue when they were talking about it and like, before, as we were prepping for rebels and Freddie being the man he was, he was like, dude, come here. He's like, one, never ask that again Two, watch this video. And he pulled up, like, it would be like a, like Michael Jordan's highlight reel. Like it was like a 10 minute reel of like Ahsoka bossing up. And I was like, Oh, shit. okay. Sounds good. So I then quickly caught up. Um, but what's funny to me is in the Mandalorian, cause I just watched this one, the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, that Ahsoka is closer to the Ahsoka in Rebels. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. Just like in in that she's like matured and she's in a, right. has a uh, an older disposition a bit, and that reminded me too because all of our interactions obviously were in Rebels, and so I was like, oh wow, that's it. I was talking with Tia. Um, the other day and we were just kind of like bonding over how cool it was and we're like oh wow it just got like even more real because you really you create so much backstory even stuff that's not there stuff that probably isn't right like if you heard the backstory of a lot of actors what they were making up for their performances yeah a lot of it is would be for the birds but it it informs the performance and so with all the stuff with Ahsoka like we made up so much in our head and everything but then to see her there and actually like wielding these two savers. I don't know. It, it was really cool to see. Absolutely. And knowing, knowing Dave wrote that and directed that, did that, it, it obviously lends a credence to it as opposed to if it was just a random director and even John Favreau, who's I'm a huge fan of, and he's obviously elite for making this series had written it. There's something to be said about that episode being Dave's and, yeah. and that sort of thing. I imagine. Yeah, he, he made some comment that I had read. I think it was in one of the articles that had come out recently that he has just, he's loved writing Ahsoka dialogue. He's written it since day one. And of course it would be him to write. But what's even cooler is to direct that episode as well. And he, yeah. the episode's unbelievable as well. Like he just, he's yeah. so good. And that's why I said at the beginning, like it's so funny, but this like secret of Dave Filoni is is less and less of a secret because he's in there right alongside some real heavy hitters um directing these episodes and he's unbelievable yeah yeah i think this last episode oh sorry go ahead james i was just gonna say that it's your favorite episode of the mandalorian uh lacy and you've watched it now 
five or six times five something times, like that. Yeah. This last episode? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's unbelievable. I just loved it. And the crazy yeah. thing is, um, probably not in the way that you had said where you were like, oh, I didn't know who Ahsoka was. I knew who Ahsoka was and I knew of her character and her character arc and everything. But I didn't really, for some reason, I don't connect with that character the way that a lot of other people do. So seeing her on live, like in live action, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing ever. And then hearing Dave in that interview, like you mentioned, talk about it. And then also that moment at the end of the interview where he's like, well, it could have happened before or after Rebels. I, I can't really can't really tell yeah, you yeah. and i was like what a felony moment he just throws that in there right at the Filoni, end baloney that, yeah. that's, that's <laughs> funny that you mentioned that because i guess a lot of people realize that when he says stuff like that i just am like oh that's dave doing it like even, <laughs> he can't help himself though i'm not kidding like even yeah. when we would be recording he took pride like all those conversations i was telling you where we would start the session with this like long talk about where we're going and everything he couldn't help it but always end with giving you a little bit of something that doesn't pertain to what you're about to record. That's like somewhere in the future. And then he can see that you kind of, your ears kind of perk up and he's like, ah, but ah, you know what? That, you don't need to know that. And I'm like, dude, well, don't start bringing it up because now, now that's all I want to know. But he, he really loves that. And he, he's so good at it because even in that article, the way that he, that's like the last thing in the Vanity Fair. I'm like, are you kidding me, dude? The very end. Yeah, he's like, like is yeah. or isn't. Of course, I don't. Of course. Mm. And I don't even know what he that just means. Because cowboy hats it out. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he takes advantage of, um, and, and admittedly, I guess in the Clone Wars too, how he bounced around of George Lucas's way of not telling things in order. And he's like, what do you mean? Look at four. We started with four, five, and six, yeah. and then we did one, two, and three. So it's this is here and this is there, and I'm going to take full advantage of that to keep the you know secrets out there. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I mean, whatever. I, that's cool. But yeah, I don't know. Um, I wanted to ask you this. So obviously, we have Ahsoka coming into live action through Rosario Dawson, not Ashley Eckstein, who voiced the character. But then we have Bo-Katan who was voiced by Katie Sackhoff, and she comes into live action. So there's obviously some yes, some no, that sort of thing. Uh, and then we see someone like Raul Coley uh, trying to fan campaign for himself to play Ezra in live action. So not to like put you know you under the, the hot lamp here, but when you see that stuff, you're like, that's my guy. That's my character. How dare you go out there and try to fan cast for my guy? Not really, because I know like now having been in this business for quite some time and also like doing it since I was younger, you, you see stuff like this often, you know what I mean? Where people are vying for stuff. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that people were like fan casting or vying for certain roles in any sense. I told Dave like back in the day of it, like I think we all had, cause that was the funny thing about rebels more so than clone wars was the cast was comprised of mainly uh, on-screen actors. Like I'd never done voiceover before. So in my head, I was like, I remember telling my agents when the show started, I was like, does this mean I like, they're gonna make it live action, I'll do it? And she was like, I have no clue. Uh, <laughs> but I was under that assumption. And then I was very naive to just think like, oh yeah, this is how Star Wars goes. Yeah, but, yeah, right. um, but most of the, like Tia, we'd always talk about like, oh, well, if Sabine comes to live action, like that's where we we can really thrive in that you have so many more faculties at your disposal that you can use you you can I, I was always telling Dave that I found it so much more difficult voice acting because all the emotion that you normally have what you can tell through a look or some movement 
Um, the way you can like Ezra is such a swagger to him. I know exactly how he walks. And like, I would walk in the booth like that, but then you think about it and you're like, Oh, that doesn't even matter. Like no one can see that it, it adds to your performance. And so I'd always say it was so difficult yeah. to channel all of it just through your voice. And so I commend voice actors who are doing it at the highest level that can bring a lot of emotion to stuff because you're used to using so many other tools for that. And that's why mm-hmm. I, it just seems so cool to do anything in live action, especially a character that you've developed so deeply. You know what I mean? Cause right. we grew that from, that's the longest I've ever played a character. Most shows get canceled after I haven't been on a show that went five years. <laughs> All those right. have gotten canceled before. So it, <laughs> it, it is nice to like really start somewhere and then go somewhere else. And then you have the force to play with and different philosophies. And it like, you just feel so uh, entangled with what it is that, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know where off the fan casting. I don't, I don't know. I feel like I, you get tweets all the time of people. I don't know. Because there's there's tons of people who want you to play yeah. Ezra. Like, let's make make that clear. There, yes, there are actors who are like, I want to be Ezra, and people are like, yeah, this person should be Ezra. But obviously, people are like, he's the right age. He is Ezra. He's the guy. Yeah. Like, why why go look for someone else when you got the guy right there? So, well, my, I mean, uh, just know fa- fans are in your corner for sure. Yeah, no, I get a <laughs> lot of the tweets out, which is so nice. I my thing would be to like, this should just have an audition like i i I like to prove everything yeah i mean i wouldn't want it not that it had i would think it's unproven but beyond that i'm like no i I, I love an audition. what do you mean you know what i mean like i would think for sure because that was a funny thing too i don't think they had had the drawings of characters when we started at least i didn't see any but we would go to conventions and people were like oh that this drew you right and i was like i don't i have no clue you know what i mean but it would be yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you see did you see the Star Wars celebration mural from last year of Pierce Brosnan Thrawn? Yes. The long <laughs> what, like, what the is long that? long that thing yeah. was so cool but that yeah. that was the one person when I saw it, I was like, "Oh, they they just modeled Pierce Brosnan?" <laughs> Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> <laughs> like that that's what they did, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. Oh yeah. That's they took a picture from like, like it. They took a still from GoldenEye, and they're like, let's yeah. just paint it blue yeah, yeah. and just slap it on the wall. Yeah. Maybe that's the long game, John. Uh, you know, General maybe they already 007. have him cast. They had him cast a long time. General time ago, 007. Yeah. Ron is yeah, such yeah. a sick character. Like for a The villain. 007th fleet, right? Yeah. <laughs> Thrawn is a sick character for sure. And you got to imagine that we're going to see him at some point. But um, I, I don't know. Like, so... Hey, you've been watching all the Mandalorian, I assume. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, do you are you like, yeah, I love seeing my you know rebels uh, characters, but also Clone Wars characters. But yeah, get out of here. Like, I want to focus on this guy and 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 Grogu and little baby. Like, what's your take on that? That those two. I am a fan of like I, I think it's Hemingway who said like write. You ha- when you're writing, you have to give people what they want, but you need to surprise them with how you give it to them. And in that sense, like I am on the side of, you're so invested in some of these characters for so long that of course you want some of them to come back. And I feel like that's why this yeah. last episode was so unbelievable because the way Dave was able to bring Ahsoka, you're like, if she were to come into the show, that's how you do it. 
you know what I mean? Like he, he just mowing people down, being awesome. Yeah, like it was so cool <laughs> in so many ways. But like, I feel like they have now. It's it's when David explained Rebels, he didn't bring Ahsoka in right away, right? Like he knew that he had this powerhouse that was open. Like her storyline was still open. The, the whole thing was what was happening to Ahsoka, like when Clone Wars was done. Yeah, he always knew she was going to come in at some point, but. He the way he explained it to us, he's like, we need people to fall in love with these characters first. So that yes. way they're formidable characters that you care about. So when they come in, it's not overshadowed or less than. You can buy them in the same world with the same amount of passion and care. Because if you care for one and you haven't built it up for the others, then no matter what happens, that's already trumped it. You know what I mean? And so That's right. such a great point. He yeah. like Grogu, it's safe to say we care about him so much now like that boom, that boom so was insane <laughs> i didn't see that coming so hard but i mean i guess they did it's it's so interesting that they gave him his name as well through ahsoka and there was like a huge piece of information yeah. about him that unlocked more and i liked what david there... said about that about like the bringing depth from a character who had so much depth yeah, they had they had three big bombs in that episode, bringing Ahsoka, dropping the child's name, and also at the end revealing that she's still trying to find Thrawn, which is a name you know people yeah probably aren't familiar with. So like watching it as a longtime fan, we were like boom, boom, and then boom again. Like holy <laughs> cow! Yeah. No, I, I agree. which also. Which also, I, I wanted to ask you about Thrawn. Do, like, do you think that that is a semi-confirmation that he's showing up in The Mandalorian, they're going that direction? Or do you think that's more of a Soka story that will be explored outside of this and this was just her stepping in? I think it was big. I think multiple things on that. I think it's big for her because you want to know her objective. Like, it's like saying, like, what have you been up to? And so by her saying that, it kind of fills in a lot where you're like, oh, she's still tied to this uh, storyline that we set up on this last show. Like it, it explains a little bit about where she's been. And then to the throng coming up, the one thing that I'm seeing is there's so many shows now and, uh, and films and different projects that are all they've, – they've really established that they're all connected, which is cool. Yeah. I think it is inevitable that he, or maybe it's not, but it, it seems like they've set it up where it is. I don't know if it would be the Mandalorian or another show or a film or uh, if they did another animation. I don't know. But I, I think for sure, because they introduced that character and he, he caught hold so quickly and so well that it would make sense. I just don't, I don't know how they plan this spider web of interconnectedness. <laughs> yeah. It's a red string that they have a big board. Yeah, and- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kill Charlie him, Day. introduce him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, just one more follow-up on that too with, with the connection to Thrawn. Is, do you think by this point, I, I know you're probably in speculation mode, but do you think Ezra and Thrawn are friends? Like, do you think they have some sort of mutual understanding of each other? I think they've separated by now from because when they went off with the purgle that like they were together but if you like leading up to that in that episode you can tell and it comes out that ezra had this plan to go off with him but their relationship up to this point was incredibly contentious so i don't know Mm -hmm. if they could just on a whim like that that was a step under the selflessness of kanan of what kanan did to save them he 
Ezra had to kind of follow in the footsteps and take a selfless action. I don't know if that then resulted in them becoming so close, but it in Star Wars actions like that seem to transcend everything. So I feel like, yeah, in a moment they that was in suspense, like what was going to happen between them, I guess. Like, I just think they, once they were off, then they separated. Wow. I, I, I tend to picture it kind of like Callus and Zeb, like in a sense that like they were enemies until they were in a moment when Thrawn recognized he was bested by this kid. And maybe he's so he's, in in a lot of the books and stuff, he's not really like an enemy like he is in Rebels. He's ob- often the um like the 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 good person trying to de-escalate uh war. So it feels like if if he was with Ezra and he had just been bested, they could potentially have this mutual understanding and maybe not be friends because I understand friends is like mm-hmm. a pretty positive word for how contentious you say <laughs> their relationship was before that, but. I I could I feel like it would be a pretty crazy shock to be like Ezra Thrawn's behind you and he's like it's cool he's with me you know kind yeah of thing. and sort of transcended that whole relationship in quarrel that that's interesting because they would be so strong as if <laughs> if they weren't like if they weren't at odds even if they weren't friends right or teamed up like between the two of them because where Ezra gets to is he's a formidable Jedi at, by the end of it in that he's gone up against the strongest, like Vader. You know what I mean? He's, he's gone yeah. up and he's learned and he's been around um, and had just, even with Obi-Wan, like little interactions with like really strong characters to think. <laughs> o- Obi-Wan, Maul, Kanan. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> yeah, like-, <laughs> like really, really strong characters. And to think that, um, they could potentially like say they hadn't separated. I mean, those dudes would wreak some havoc on yeah. whatever they set their <laughs> mind to because Thrawn is so calculated and smart. And Ezra's thing is that he's a bit impulsive, yet he's incredibly strong within the Force. And so, if you have that measured sort of character alongside him, that would be gnarly. It would be a very <laughs> like shades of Vader Tarkin uh, in that way. Yeah, I. I thought that um, like the good well Thrawn's a so, bad guy but you yeah. know what I mean you you're you're talking about Ezra being this great Jedi and and he's gone through all these experiences and he learned everything he could from Kanan um but and in terms of like who he's gone up against but like I got to say like the and I wanted to know your opinion of the world between worlds thing because his rejection of Palpatine like the anti Anakin move when you're given that fork in the road and he goes back instead of choosing the path uh, when he sees his parents right there is like one of the most powerful moments in Star Wars, hands down. Because you're, you're seeing his family like, oh, I can just go do yeah. this. The temptation is so there. The Garden of Eden, all that stuff. Uh, and he, he, he somehow is able to deny Palpatine, which the strongest Jedi of all time couldn't do it. So what was your take when you read that? Were you like, did you feel like, scared of the responsibility to deliver that and then what's your take on the whole world between worlds thing in general because it's a very uh contentious vehicle for fans right now that's so cool that you brought it up one because um and we didn't talk about this to people listening beforehand this is my favorite episode of rebels hands down like by far it's it's unbelievable and so i like (laughs) 
I would I would rave about this episode to other people. Like this was the one that I connected with so much because they also introduced into Star Wars something we hadn't seen before in manipulating time. You know what I mean? Which you then saw in mm-hmm. the films a bit, which is Dave Filoni through and through. And so, so cool because it opens up this whole new realm of possibility for all of Star Wars, knowing that this exists. Um, but then to your point, that is Ezra's character to a T is his whole motivation. And and that's why I just love the growth of this character and why I'm saying, like, Oh, I would, it would be so cool to keep him going in a live action way. And that like what, what he's built upon, like you have the voice, you have all that. There is this, he was so cavalier and that was how we came into it. Like Dave was like, you haven't seen much Star Wars. Don't watch it. I want you thinking like, oh yeah, I can throw this and do this. And he's like, you're channeling that. Go crank that up to a ten. Oh and so man, that's, that's incredible. Where he came from, where like at first he could have been a little to people, um, like bothersome and annoying. If if you didn't know his family circumstances, that he's just been fending for himself at too young of an age, and the whole thing like there was a big episode in season two where he finds out about his parents and then he leaves that transmission and everything through the whole story. Like at least the work I was doing, the inner work for Ezra was always related to his family and trying to make them proud on top of it. And so when that moment hits, like you get goosebumps thinking about it, but you're like to deny that is insane because the whole show was to build up to that. And then he finally got what was his ostensible objective and he was able to turn it around and show, no, I've grown in my care and love for not only these people, but the world as a whole and what this will mean. And he's able to be selfless then. Like that's that's when he became like a true strong Jedi where you're like, oh, well, if he can transcend himself and his own selfish desires, he he can possibly do anything like like any Jedi once they reach that point. I, I love hearing you say this because it sounds like me when I'm talking to people about like rebels. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I, I, there's so many like things where you're you're. It was almost you were describing this earlier when you were saying Dave Filoni, like the way he explains certain things. It's like he wants people to get it. Like if you don't like a show or you don't care about the characters, you're like, oh, I don't know, the guys like uh, with with the girl, and then they did the <laughs> thing, and they just kind of whatever. But like when you're trying to explain like Star Wars to someone, I always feel like I'm like, see, here's the thing: he was born like this, you know, and and he was raised this way, and then he doesn't know this, but his dad is blah blah blah, you know. And you're like really into it and explaining it, and um, yeah, that's coming off in in your explanation of of why you enjoy or love his arc so much and, and the story of rebels is you know about him and finding family but then like finding his own way yeah it's it the the arc is so cool and it's such a great character because we've seen shadows of this type of character before but not necessarily in that way and i thought it was really fun to introduce a character like that i mean when he started um being tempted one, when Maul would call him his apprentice, I was like, this is cool. Because he, I, in the recording <laughs> sessions, I would be between Freddie and Sam while we were doing it. And they'd both be like in my ear, like, no, no, this and this. And another one would be like, no, this and this. And it was funny to see them kind of taking ownership of like, no, I'm, it was a bit competitive. Like you want to pull him and convince this uh, Padawan to go a certain way. 
And then when Ezra started, when he like walks the walker off the cliff and he's, you're like, Oh, this dude might really go full tilt the other way. Yeah. Um, and that was what was so interesting too, because I would talk to Dave about it and I was like, if you want to be truly strong, you have to understand the other side. Right. And he's like, yeah, th- keep thinking like that. And <laughs> I didn't know if that meant it was going to go all the way over, but it was just cool to also entertain mm-hmm. that side. And it wasn't just a Jedi who through and through was just a great person. You know what I mean? He, you yeah. could see that he was, I know they like, they were using the term for Kanan, the like flawed Jedi master. Like he wasn't a mm-hmm. perfect dude. And I think some of that comes off on Ezra and why he was such a perfect match for him, because I would say he was a bit of a flawed Padawan of sorts. And so it was just really cool to entertain that, but I don't know where I was. The world between worlds again was so sick that I think I started there. It, it was <laughs> that, that episode is so cool. Do you do, think, do you, does Freddie think of himself as a flawed Jedi? Because Kanan, <laughs> Kanan is my number one fictional character of all time, like so of everything. Cool. He's my favorite character. Um, so it's weird to hear like flawed Jedi because I'm like, I, I, I think it's like well, exactly what it needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. I was saying that loosely and I think people were, were like describing him that way, or at least I was reading. Maybe I'm off. Mm-hmm. I, I thought I had read stuff where it was like he was this when people were using the like five cent description of like, Oh, Kanan is this. Sure. I thought that's what was being used, but I could be completely mistaken. But I mean, you might describe like Obi-Wan like that, like Obi-Wan in the desert, like, Oh, old timer failed Jedi or something like that. But it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily describe the character as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. I guess in that sense, like, because Kanan is such a strong Jedi and then all, all of their interactions with the Bendu and what they went through there, like that stuff was so cool to me. Um, Kanan, Kanan was such a cool character and then working with Freddy on it was amazing because he took on that role and transcended the show. He, like outside of it, he'd be like, let's like talk about different things. I mean, he just wanted to build that relationship. Which was, which He'd was be really like, cool. it's six o'clock, Freddie. We don't need to talk about the force anymore. <laughs> no, I loved it. I, I loved all of it. Cause we would talk about everything Star Wars and then beyond Star Wars and just build that relationship as like two guys, which is really cool. Is is there uh, a Kanan and Ezra in, in you and Freddie? Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. For sure. <laughs> okay. So like, it was a lot of like, look kid, like here's the deal. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And and part of that was I think as actors you do that like I haven't played too many villainous roles or antagonists but when you do and you get on set with everyone else you start to do little things that go beyond what's on the page because you're like I want to have this air about me that comes off you know I mean and so I've just seen it with so many different roles that I think that's what he was doing at first. And then we kind of realized, Oh, we're not even really putting this on. Like you, I mean, it really does mirror. Well, he's been through this industry and gone through so many different things and I'm younger in it, but have been working a good bit. And he was just like, Hey, look, I had to take five turns here. I could keep you from making four extra turns. Like just do this. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And he was so cool about that in so many ways. And also, I was doing jujitsu pretty lightly and he was like, yo, come uh-huh. to my studio. Let's really roll and get down. So I started going, <laughs> jiu- going to, no, seriously, I went to jujitsu with him for 
a while. And then I, I boxed with him for like years. Like we went to, <laughs> he has been boxing for a long time because his real passions are like Star Wars and gaming. Um, yeah. Fighting because part of his family comes from like the fight game and the fight world. Um, right, yeah. and then like comedy. So he, he knows so much about those. And he was like, he knew that I'm really into sports and that I was doing a lot of different things actively. He was just like, you need a box come to this gym with me. And then I started going every single week with him. And wow. it, it really was the Ezra Kanan relationship. That's cool, man. Yeah. What about, was there ever any times where like, you, you keep saying like Dave would give you like these little tidbits and then like, yeah, just go with that and kind of like almost leave you in the dark a little bit to, for you to find something yourself organically. Was there ever a time where you're like, wait, Dave, I have one more question. And he's like, not, that's enough for today. All the time. All the time. That's, <laughs> or something he's never answered. That's quintessential <laughs> Dave. Oh my gosh. There were questions. I know there were a lot of questions that I was, some I understand was just me getting to like, he gets super philosophical about it. Right. And in university, mm -hmm my degree was in philosophy. So I would really geek out on some of the like reasons for stuff that he brought from like uh, biblical stuff or old mythology. And I, I loved mm -hmm. when we'd go there and sometimes I would ask questions that he was already going down a road and I'd be like, Oh, so it's like this. And she's like, don't go too far on that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that, that was always pretty funny. But as far as the questions that I, I would try and like nitpick parts of the force at times, like, because I just was like, how could you devise the strongest Jedi ever? So I would be like, well, what if you, I was like, could there be someone who has stuff that are like the semantics that don't work, but I would go into like, well, how can someone be, especially when they're teetering on uh, dark side and light side, I was like, can someone be full of the dark, the dark side yet, also be aware of it from the light side like could they strategically play into that and those are questions where he's like don't don't go too far into that <laughs> That's but i did i did ask him with the world between worlds like what else could he have seen you know what i mean and that was something we didn't yeah. really get to dive into but if you had all those different portals we saw what we needed to see and Disney was so cool about and Lucasfilm together as a joint effort about screening episodes for us in the Disney building, like in the theater. And so anytime it was like a special or novel episode, we would watch it that way. That's and so awesome. that really ruined my viewing experience for all the other episodes because it's, <laughs> it was so cool. You're in a theater with Dave, some of the um, other writers and the castmates and like, your the music is booming. You know what I mean? And so in the world between worlds and you start hearing the voices from throughout Star Wars oh, history. Man. I was like, oh, oh, cool. your hair stands up and you're like, dude, what? And so that <laughs> you, got, you got me going right now, man. So cool. Like you hear Leia and it trips you out big time. Um, because then it, it adds this gravity to what you're about to watch. So before Ezra even begins walking around, you hear all these different voices and it brings all of the different sentiments of Star Wars to a head. And then you're dropped into these scenes where he's then going to encounter Ahsoka. Like, so good. Yeah. 
<laughs> and the the visual of that episode, like I'm not the biggest fan of the world between worlds because of what f- sometimes fans use it for with speculation, and then when they don't get what they want, they get disappointed and stuff. So it does it does open a bit of a Pandora's box, and you know they destroy the wall, and who knows if it's still there? I don't know. That's up to Dave Filoni, I guess. But um, the <laughs> visual of of when when you're in there, uh, and Ezra's just like in that giant space. He looks so small, and it, it, I don't know if that's on purpose to say like he's just this small cog in this giant universe but then when he's in like that hallway with Palpatine and it's very tight and closed space he's the biggest and most important Jedi of all time is that was there any like discussions about the, that visual aspect of the proximity and the, the largeness and the, and, the, and the tightness and the smallness that's such a cool observation dude I haven't heard that before and that's one funny aspect where you would love to something in live action you would know and where we were coming from these were the questions we would be asking like it it maybe to an annoying extent because dave would then not even allow me to ask questions he would tell us before and preface every take with it but i mean everyone who was recording rebels with us knew before we started scenes i would be like oh yeah how far are we distance just because you don't know where you're at you have it on a page but you're not in the setting so like something like that uh-huh. when we're recording it I have no clue how big something's going to be or how small or how it's going to look. And so I would say, what are you envisioning for this? And he's an unbelievable artist. So he would, you would ask him that and then forget you asked, you would start doing takes and then all of a sudden he would hold up this drawing to the glass and be like, or he'd be like, come around here. Or he would actually come into the booth with all of us and he would be like, okay, so this is what it looks like. And you're like, oh, I forgot that I was even asking that. You have the whole (laughs) thing drawn out for you. Um, but it was a big thing because especially on the scenes where we had so many action sequences for like in between episodes where it's like they're going on a run to pick up something and you're yelling at people, giving orders and stuff. And everyone on Rebels was so great and so diligent with everything and precise. Like that's why we'd ask like, are we 20 yards or 30 yards? Because you don't want to just give a generic, like I'm yelling at a distance. You know what I mean? You, you want it to be appropriate to yeah. what you're doing. And so he was good about, by the third season before he'd be like oh yeah and you're about uh an arm length away so that's what that was for his or you're <laughs> yeah. you're across a huge ravine you know what i mean and so you would then wow. figure out what you're looking at but to what you're saying i didn't i would only have those observations like after the fact you know what i mean like then uh-huh. with the visual sure. of it and that's something that dave definitely played with a lot and he probably has i mean to every question you've asked me, he probably has a better answer. But to that one, he he <laughs> he uh, he could probably give a big explanation because you're right. It is so interesting. He is just a small cog in this big machine of the galaxy of the world. And then when it went to the thing with his family, as he's walking between that, this is the biggest thing in his entire that we've seen on the show. And so it makes sense that he would take up that much space. Wow. Um. I'm a, I have a lot to think about. Have you ever met George Lucas? Yeah, we met him fairly early on, I believe. But that was it. Didn't didn't see him much. He did so he didn't have any input in the characters. Was it? It was it because I know with Clone Wars, obviously he developed it with him. Did he have any involvement with Dave in terms of steering characters and stuff for Rebels? Mm, I don't think so. I don't. I don't think he. Um, I know, I remember Dave saying like at the very beginning before 
we'd even come into the picture, like he would bounce stuff off of him because Dave really takes pride in, he always talks about it being George's um, brainchild and where he's learned everything. Cause he, he worked with him for so long that he has mm-hmm. picked up like his, even his imitation of George is unreal. Like he's, he just has <laughs> it down and knows. I think, I think every time he makes a decision in Star Wars in the back of his head, he thinks a little bit like, does this maintain an integrity to what Star Wars is? And that's why he's also the best person to be making Star Wars too, because he, like I had said at the beginning, like he cares about it from so many different angles and he first and foremost is a fan. And so he knows he knows why Star Wars is so important as well. And it's, it, it, I, it's just, he's so great, man. Like that's what you want in a creative. And it's a bummer because on other projects, sometimes you hold people to that. Like <laughs> you, you want people to care that much about every project. You know what I mean? Yeah. And every now and they'll be like, this is a horror movie. Like stop asking questions. There's a dude in the mask. And you're like, <laughs> you have right. jobs where they're like, look kid, stand on the X and deliver the line. Seriously though, seriously. But it's good because it works regardless of if these conversations are had on sets and they're brought up, it works for your character. The more that you have things drawn out, even the smallest response of a head nod, if you're coming to it with as much backstory as you do on things like rebels, you're, you're going to deliver something that's more nuanced. And you know what I mean? It, it is only a good thing, but yeah, it's funny because Dave just had everything down, everything down. Wow. Awesome. Who do you, who do you think if, if, if Filoni was Lucas's Padawan, who's who's Filoni's Padawan? Who do you see like asking questions and trying <clears throat> to understand Star Wars more deeply through him? That's such a good question that no one's asking for either, and it's weird that I haven't thought that because I there there were some writers on the show who would be there often because I would think it would have to be someone who comes from somewhat of a writing maybe predatorial role. But mm-hmm. I don't know if there was a consistent the, – the other writer who was consistently there for almost all of it was Henry Gilroy. But I don't know that he um, – but he's not, like, with him on every project. You know what I mean? Sure. Whereas, like, Dave really was kind of, like, shadowing Lucas and getting a lot of insights and knowledge from him. That, that's such a good question. I would wonder on um, – the Mandalorian, if I don't know that whoever that is, I mean, let's get eyes on them and <laughs> let's, yeah, start, let's start right. keeping tabs, yeah. honestly. Yeah, I think that's always the, kind of been a thing. Like he, like obviously he was involved with resistance, but then he kind of stepped away from it, you know, a little bit and kind of let them do their own show. And I remember that being a pretty popular question of like, oh, who does Filoni kind of hand the keys to and say, you know, take take over? You understand Star Wars and stuff. And I don't, I don't know that there is a person quite yet, but we probably need to give him, you know. Yeah. more time in this world and, and let him kind of find his own person to hand the keys over to at some point. Yeah. And probably once Dave, cause Dave is like when Dave for lack of a better term, like latched on to um, Lucas and when Lucas found him, Lucas was towards the end of He had been making star Wars for yeah. 40 years. You know what I mean? Right. And then yeah. when, um, or 30 some years, but then with Dave, like he's still on, that crescendo and the up and up and you know what I mean? Like he's so widely capable right now. I don't know. 
I think it'll be later in it when he's like this treasure chest of knowledge that I have of this, I want to start handing over to somebody because I feel like, I mean, that's, what's so crazy. He's accomplished so much already, but he's literally just like adding to his box right now. You know what I mean? Right. And so yeah. the stuff that Dave is going to make going forward and just, I realized partway through and fairly early on, like, Oh, this is a very singular experience working with someone to this degree. Um, anything he makes, even when he, if he eventually makes something outside of star Wars, which I'm sure he will, will be unbelievable because he just thinks everything through to the furthest degree. Well, when he makes the live action, uh, Ezra show featuring Taylor gray, <laughs> There we'll we go. Understand. I paid them to say this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you uh, have you have you done any uh, training with a lightsaber? I know you said you do jujitsu and you had you were boxing with Freddie. Uh, hopefully, not getting beat up in front of Sarah Michelle Geller. Uh, have you done? She's beating any- him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you have you done any work with a lightsaber? I have, just because like one, it's only apropos. Like it, I of course would have to, but now too, like that's a thing in like with acting training, a lot of it fight combat. Like you, cause you see projects outside of just that, like take a John wick, things like that, where there are people's careers. To, Jason Statham has had an entire career of just being unbelievable, at kicking guys ass. And yeah. so, <laughs> and, and now he's, he's an awesome actor too. It's really cool. But like that, when you can embody, I was reading with Rosario Dawson there, like, oh, it's also such a great fit because she has some physical um, capabilities that work for this. And with uh, Katie Sackhoff as well, she's she's nuts, like in the best way. Like she can do anything physically, it seems like. Um, so yeah, I I there's a gym out here in LA that they do that. It's like combat training and it's also flips and being comfortable with your body. And like I said, I grew up playing sports. So that's something I've always been incredibly confident with. So going in there, I, I love it because as you said, like I've been fighting where you were actually fighting, you know, and throwing punches and stuff. Yeah, that right. when, you, yeah. when they give yeah. you that, they give you this like wooden pole. Or because I am a Star Wars fan, I have a... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but yeah, you're, you're, you're doing different techniques, which is basically with just like a wooden pole that is that they yeah. use in different martial arts, which is cool. Yeah. The, the, the one thing that I'm sure you're aware of is that whole volume technology. Have you had a chance to check that out in person yet? And or have you at least talked to people who acted in front of it? Because like you and McGregor is like losing his mind over. He's so excited to like get in there and, and act in front of it as opposed to like a green screen. It's, I imagine that's a game changer for Star Wars. It's unbelievable. Like because selfishly, you look at it as an actor and you're like, this is amazing. Like I don't have to act off yeah. of nothing. You know what I mean? And Blue. so <laughs> I went down there. Um, I saw it. The what they're using oh, the cool. volume. And it is super expansive and it, it's a trip. Like I, the way I would describe it to people, I was like, if you had, it was, um, yeah, I'm not going to say what I was looking at, but like they had a setting, <laughs> they had a setting <laughs> up and it, I was like, if I, had, <laughs> yeah. I was like, if I had a baseball and I just threw it, like it would go, it looks like it would go 
forever like as far as i threw it you know what i mean like it has oh, the it has, you guys like please don't throw anything yeah, yeah seriously <laughs> and it has like a dynamic feel to it like a perspective you know like a parallax like if you sure. move, yeah you feel the depth which is the craziest thing because every now and then i mean i worked on a sitcom for you they'll put just like a canvas behind you that's like outside you know what I mean? And it's the most oh, no. full <laughs> two-dimensional. Like, you'll see it on, like, a two-and-a-half man. Like, if you look through the window, it's just, like, blue sky and a cloud. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's it, – that doesn't matter in that sense. But with Star Wars, the world is so big, and that really does matter. But to your point, one of the – I think it was uh, either Dave who this or one of the actors or producers while we were talking was saying that they would put them in the cockpit, and they – they would put it up in the expanse in the volume and like it would be mounted and then it would have hydraulics to move a bit, but it was mainly the background moving. And with the camera still, it looks like, you know what I mean? It looks like they're flying oh, all over the place. And they said some of the actors were getting sick. Like if they kept their, oh, no. they would have to close their eyes because you're not moving really. It's like star tours at Disneyland. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. And That's not the I first young, time I've thought of that. Yeah. When I was young, I would get that. Like I would in star tours. I remember, I remember the realization. I was so young. We, we I grew up near Disneyland. So my, my parents, we'd go all the time. And I remember mm-hmm. seeing there and I remember without them telling me, cause as a kid, anything you learn on your own, like, Oh my God, that's it. And I remember I was like, <laughs> oh, wait, if I just close my eyes, like get rid of all the sickness. You know what I mean? Like we're actually not doing anything. Cause you're so you suspend all disbelief and you think you're flying through space for the time being. But then I was like, right. Oh, we're not doing anything. It's amazing how your mind can trick you based off of that. Right. And so for an actor, even something as small as like, I was saying like, I do self tapes in this room. And like, if I'm referencing something like, Oh yeah, it's over there. I'm pointing at a white wall and I have to do a lot of work to think like, okay, how far is that? What is it exactly? That I'm pointing at. If you're in yeah, that volume crazy. and you reference something, you can literally just reference it. And it, it sounds so weird, but it really does bring a new truth to it. Cause you're like, when you're standing in it, you're like, there's sand on the ground and there, you know what I mean? It, it seems insane. real. Yeah. So have you, um, talked to Dave since you saw him playing an X-Wing pilot? Like, what do you think of Trapper Wolf? Uh, I wrote, <laughs> I wrote to him after that. Um, I wrote to him after this last episode, anytime there's something that like, <laughs> He, he's always so impressive, but I was like, I shot him something the other day and was just like, dude, wow, I shouldn't be surprised anymore. Like you, you're unbelievable. It was so cool and impressive. And yeah, I, I'm trying to think the last time I saw him would have been, um, I have no clue, but <laughs> it's been a weird year. We haven't seen yeah, anybody. I, that's so. literally what I thought. I was like, when have I seen anybody? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've been in there that was... room all year, wherever you are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I heard a, uh, uh, or I, I read a fun fan theory that the end of Rebels, when he's standing on the tower and Ahsoka comes over with the ship and it's like escorted by two X Wings, that that is Trapper Wolf. <laughs> and and uh, the other X-wing pilot, yeah, Carson. I can't think of his how, name right now. How amazing would yeah. that be? Dave is really that, that, it, that it goes. Oh my uh, gosh! Yeah, that it goes all the way into Mandalorian, and and now that Dave is messing around with the ending and when that all kind of took place, that that apparently <laughs> that's so funny. If that's the case, then Dave ostensibly played <laughs> more characters in Rebels than I did. 
Because he was chopper. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> That's crazy. That was the, that was um, something that I asked him the entire show. And I, my memory has gotten so bad. Like, you know, you have false memories a bit. Like, I said this every yeah. session. Yeah. Like, I would just end every session. Like, Dave, can't wait to play off of chopper, like, with you one time. Because he, he would never do it with us. And so... Oh. I don't think this is a false memory. I think I think he eventually because I said this for like years. Once I knew that he was doing it, I think towards the end he was like, okay. And I think he recorded like a chopper line with us, um, which was really fun because he never did that in there. Like we would just go over the chopper lines. Is he and, is he swearing and is it vulgar and stuff like like the fans have made it out to be? Have the fans said that? Yeah, like they're not they, wrong. They they're like, not wrong. <laughs> Like you, <laughs> you can listen to like what Chopper's saying, and then like people will put in subtitles, and it's like that sounds like yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, he's yeah. saying, and yeah. it's usually pretty vulgar. Yeah. Stuff. I think I think it was he would make like sounds often. I don't know if he was actually putting in words. We would have dialogue though, and that wouldn't be yeah. vulgar, but it was definitely the like cheekiest of all of the dialogue throughout <laughs> rebels where you're like oh, okay cool the one guy who we never hear him actually say he gets that line and so yeah well, that's, that, that's r2d2 like yeah, true. watch your mouth sacred or watch the language sacred island mm-hmm. yeah. um i i have just one more question i want to ask you um I mean, I, I hope you're still in Star Wars. You seem like such a genuine guy. You are a genuine guy. You you seem like such a good fan. And I would say on our show, um, I understand it's a job to act in Star Wars, but there's some people that you just feel like they're there and they feel above it and it's like too cheesy for them and too blockbustery. They, they'll come back if they need to buy another house, that sort of thing. You seem to really genuinely love it and get it. So I do hope you um, come back. But if... So Rebels is your legacy. How do you want you to be remembered uh, and Ezra in your contribution to uh, this saga that is just multi-generational and will live forever? Um, I mean, that's the million dollar question in that like, I'm so aware of being like this pebble in a big beach. You know what I mean? That is Star Wars. That is so amazing. But at the same time, it seems like everyone at some point in life comes to this beach. You know what I mean? Like Star Wars is, <laughs> that was something I said when I had first gotten the show. And we, I think we were doing a convention at, at San Diego. And it was like the opening interviews were releasing the show. And I was saying like, I didn't, I had watched Star Wars, but I didn't, like I didn't rewatch the movies and I didn't know it really, uh, really, really well. But it's that thing of like, if you, tell everyone like pick out all the things that are red in a room and then you're like what was green and they're like oh i didn't look at anything green but there's so much of it you know what i mean and then you're like yeah. look at the green things you see they're everywhere and i look back and i was like oh my god the star wars like everyone had star wars shirts there were star wars lunch pails i think i had like star wars pens and i didn't even growing up you know what i mean like it's such a pillar of pop culture for cinema the way like the beatles would be for music and so that that's not like lost on you that you're a little part of that in this world, Mm -hmm. but you just hope that you, that's part of the responsibility and being as honest with your performances as possible. And especially I'm so thankful for a storyline like Ezra's because it is a very, very clear path to empathy and growth. And so I hope that people who have watched it, they, whether they're aware or not connect with it. There's a quote that I will just butcher, but it's like, 
don't tell people what to do, but show them a story of how to do it. You know what I mean? And it is that idea of like, you, that's how we see like people on both sides of political aisles can get behind a story that clearly is saying one thing, but they're not getting into it that way, but they're subversively learning the message from what it is. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the message between behind star Wars is always goodness. And of course, hope. And especially um, like a starting ground that Ezra had and many kids and people like the amount of people I talked to who were older that connected with Ezra more so than young kids vastly outnumbered the younger kids. You know what I mean? You can connect to that type of um, upbringing or, or feeling of loneliness and, and where it comes from and how easy it is to maybe take the shortcut. You know what I mean? It, with the force, he had more power when he was tapping into the dark side. When he would get angry, he was more powerful, but it's not, it wasn't the way to be. And little philosophies and messages like that, that come from Ezra, I would just hope that we did everything on our side to make it um, profound enough that people could feel it. You did. Well said. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, now I'm going to go watch everything again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah I watched uh yeah I watched the World Between Worlds um again uh for the first time since it aired I think uh but to prep for this because I wanted to ask you about that one but um yeah do you guys have anything else you want to uh yeah far away I'm, I'm here <laughs> I could listen to you talk about Star Wars for hours no <laughs> joke like you know your stuff and it is so interesting to hear it's so fun it's and it's fun too because <laughs> i didn't know star wars like this at all i didn't know much of anything coming into it i guess i my... actually i saw that ahead, that James. you didn't you didn't know that much going you hadn't seen all yeah. the movies or something when you started that was kind of curious to me like where 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 did you start that has now another thing that has become like there's like people would pick on certain things and then it just started to perpetuate itself. And it was like, I hadn't seen any movies. And then I was like, have I not seen any? I've seen movies. And then I was like, well, I've seen some of them. And then people are like, oh, well, no, you, you're the person in the show who hasn't seen the movies. And I'm like, well, no, I've seen them, but okay. So, you know, I'm saying like, well, I haven't seen any of them, but I had seen like over at friends' houses. I remember my parents had, it was on VHS, the like box set. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like we had this drawer yeah. in our house yeah, yeah. that it was like, it was, uh, I guess it would be episodes four five and six. And they had like a box set of them. And it, I think it was like Vader's face on the side or something. So funny. I, n- I haven't thought about this since I was a child. And it was I, either gold or silver probably. Yes. And it was like, and it had, uh, it had like a texture to it. Like it was raised a bit. And yeah. I remember my parents didn't love what they didn't like every now and then we'd be like, Oh, let's watch that. And they're like, no, it's too long. That in Titanic, like we would ask them to watch. And so like we, we watched them, but like we didn't, it, they weren't films. We would watch over and over. Cause my parents, I just remember them being like, they're long. Like you're going to be sitting here forever. And so we didn't like, I had seen them maybe a couple times. Cause I saw them at friends houses and stuff, but that was it. You know what I mean? I wasn't, um, as I just wasn't as knowledgeable and not that I wasn't a fan of it. That's the other thing too. I explained it to Dave. I was like, if I would have known this was what Star Wars was, I might not have done anything else. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm glad that I didn't yeah. find out the letter because I probably just would have gone all the way. Um, but it's so cool to, like I was saying, like 
have your source of knowledge about Star Wars come from someone like Dave and oh, and man. everyone who is a part of Rebels. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, uh, one other thing, I guess, the, the fan uh, outcry for this whole Where's Ezra thing and that sort of stuff, we touched on it at the beginning, but I guess a good way to end it would be um, what does it mean to you to know that you've been two years removed from Star Wars in Rebels and there's a lot of speculation that you're going to be coming back. Um, we hope you are. A lot of fans expect you're going to be coming back in some way, whether it's animated or, or hopefully live action. Um, we see you fighting with the lightsabers now at the gym and stuff. That's great. Um, but <laughs> t- two years removed, what what does it mean to you that fans are still uh, talking about your character so passionately and, and wanting to know more and, and, and uh, have you involved in that? It's so cool. I, I think it's just, gratitude that you feel that a show that you were fortunate to be a part of a show that had that sort of impact. And it's, it's so crazy that going to cons and especially internationally, you know what I mean? And seeing that people from all over have connected with star Wars and it's so beautiful to see, especially at like celebrations that people from all walks of life, all ages, mm-hmm. all backgrounds, all beliefs, all everything can come together and rally around and have this thing in common that is at the end of the day about decency and goodness is so cool. And so I feel so grateful to be a part of it. And it's so cool that the fan base that is so big has accepted me and welcomed me and, and taken a liking to what we've been. Cause you, when you're acting, you're, you're so vulnerable with certain things. And when, even though people will say it doesn't affect them, when you say like, oh, I didn't love that character, you're like, oh man, that's like switches of me that I'm turning on and off and I'm going in for it. You know I mean, I'm using people in my life as substitutions for who these people are in my life and what I'm seeing when I'm uh, speaking. And so it's, I just am stoked that people connected with it and it's something that to, it would be, yeah, it'd be so cool to see. It's cool that it's gone on this long but to see it just continue and like i said i haven't connected to a character as much as this ever because things end if they're not written as well they're they don't have a full world to play with they don't have such a deep um well of emotion and everything to bring forward that this character is just so cool to me and it it's something that i like it's just so much of a part of you. You know what I mean? And I've, I mean, yeah, I told them and Tia, we've said the same thing because we've been busy working on other projects, but it's like, you would just drop anything. Like I would, if I had right. filmed camp, I'd be like, yeah, uh, I know we signed that contract. But there's gotta be a way out of that. Gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope that's the case, man. I was, I was a fan of yours uh, just from seeing interviews and, um, and, and going into uh, watching Rebels and stuff, but just having talked with you for an hour, I'm even a bigger fan, man. You're just such a good dude. Oh, and I really so appreciate cool you coming Thank by you, and hanging Thank with you us. guys for all your time. It's nice talking to you guys as well. It's uh, <laughs> it's fun because I haven't been able to talk Star Wars, especially in 2020. This is a nice little bright thing of the year. It's cool. Oh, awesome. Well, well, it's safe to say you have a key to the Resistance base, so we hope you come back and hang again uh, down the line. Bring the drawstring backpack next time. How ridiculous. It's so weird. I should have just done this like in my room where I have, I'm holding it up again. Guys, I have street cred. (laughs) Or, nope. Um, That's not right. Uh, 
Yeah, I uh, my my parents recently gave me a box of like keepsakes sort of thing. So there's so much Star Wars stuff in here that because Lucasfilm would send you anytime there was like a new like sure. figure or anything. And my <laughs> I had roommates at the time um, when I started Rebels, and the first lightsaber had the like uh like plastic Spring action yeah the like blaster yeah. things and they sent me so many of them and my roommates were like dude stop shooting those things every like they'd be like <laughs> under the couch and they're so ridiculous but um yeah i'll, I'll have a better background next time <laughs> right on, man thank you so much and uh may the force be with you awesome may the force be with you guys <laughs> I don't know what to say. That was one of the best. Was that the best, our best interview ever? Just such an amazing time. What'd you guys think? He's definitely in my top five guests, I would say, <sighs> if not top three. He was just like that, that awesome. Oh my like God. really, really, really great. And I can't get over the drawstring backpack. It's like my favorite detail. <laughs> that was uh, yeah, that of the was. whole interview that he showed up with a rebel's drawstring backpack and with the cheapest lightsaber toy possible yeah i feel like his floors like uh, this is blank right his floors are just non-stop rebels toys yeah Yeah. it's just the drawstring back it's bringing me back to middle school and i was just like i just love that i love it i wonder if we can get one of those like a rebels drawstring backpack that's gonna be the next item that we try to hunt down but uh no, that was so cool. And I mean, how can you root for a guy more now? I mean, I think we all kind of were hoping yeah. uh, he stays in Star Wars. But now, I mean, I, I hope everyone enjoyed that as much as we did. Um, that That's one of the ones where people are like, show me an example of your podcast. And you just shove that one right towards the front of the pile um, without question. So we want to thank everyone for tuning in, uh, listening and watching, being a part of TRB. Uh, we found Ezra. So if anyone asks, where's Ezra? Send them this link to this uh, episode. We found him. Uh, make sure you do subscribe to the show, of course, on YouTube at uh, youtube.com, youtube.com, youtube.com slash Star Wars News videos, or your preferred podcast app, whether that's Spotify, Podbean, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, uh, subscribe to us there. Um, I want to uh, tell you to go to starwarsnewsnet.com for all of your Star Wars news, reviews, editorials, information, and more, and uh, patreon.com slash resistance broadcast if you want to support what we do. Um, tiers start at $2 every month. We have some new stuff uh, coming your way in terms of uh, visuals, uh, I believe, next month. But we're really uh, excited with um, everything that we have going on. We're approaching new goals, and we just uh, like to create a lot of content there as a thank you to all of you. And uh, Lacey facilitates that for us. Um, but uh, for those of, of you who are generals, you know you're getting a big shout-out here. And we want to thank you uh, especially. And that's Carmelo, Andrew Staley, Jeremy Myers, Neil Shaw, David Probus, John Reese, Micah Harrison, Michael Gaines, Jetta Rosewater, Bethany, Russ Harbison, Kendall Gellner, Paul Olson, and Val Trichkoff. Generals, thank you all so much for your support. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, so listen, the Mando Fan Show is back again tomorrow night, live, 8.30 east on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Star Wars News Net Videos. And we're going to be with our guest, uh, Ashi Bashar from uh, the band Beartooth. And... Uh, it's a metal band. James is very familiar, uh, his, uh, his turf, but he's a big Star Wars fan too. He's going to join us to talk about Chapter 15 of The Mandalorian. Uh, so we're really excited about that. Um, you guys can find me on Twitter at Johnny Hoey. James? 
Uh, Twitter and Instagram at Myra Trunks. Lacey, where are you at? Um, shopping for a Rebels drawstring backpack <laughs> and also on Twitter and Instagram at Lacey Gillerin. All right. Uh, from the three of us here, we'll obviously see you tomorrow night. And if you can't make the live Mando Fan Show, it's going to be on the podcast feeds and, of course, on the channel. And, again, we'll be back with you. Thank you.